Richard Foster ends chapter three of his book, Celebration of Discipline, with a quote from a 19th century Archbishop of Canterbury named Campbell Tate. I want a life, Archbishop Tate said. I want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. I think that most Christians would agree with that, don't you? Now, maybe it's not something that we all make as one of our highest priorities, but I would assume that most Christians wish that they had a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. And that's good because, as Foster points out in his book, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is perhaps the most central to our spiritual growth. Prayer is the means that the Spirit of God uses to go about his work of changing us and conforming us more and more to the image of Jesus. Prayer, as Foster puts it, is the central avenue God uses to transform us. In prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to will the things he wills. But what is real prayer? Does that mean that there are false or wrong ways to pray? Well, according to the New Testament, yes. In fact, the letter of James says that very directly. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, keep in mind that when the New Testament was written, prayer was not a practice that was unique to Christians. In the ancient world, everybody entreated the gods for what they needed. Everybody prayed, but that doesn't mean they prayed rightly. And that's why real prayer, Christian prayer, it's not something that just automatically happens. It's a practice that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to be learned, which is something Richard Foster points out quite clearly in his discussion of it. Real prayer, he says, is something we learn. And Foster says that it was a great relief to him when he first realized this, that prayer was something that needed to be learned. Because for years, he says, his experience of prayer was a disappointment. He would pray for things and nothing would seem to happen. He would ask for things that he seemed to never receive. And he didn't know why. He didn't understand what he was doing wrong. When he talks about his past experience, it reminds me of something that Mother Teresa once said about prayer. We want, she says, so much to pray properly, and then we fail. We get discouraged and we give up. I don't know if that's been true in your own life. If, you, if your experience of prayer has been a, a source of discouragement, or if you felt like you fail when you try to pray. But if it is, then, well, you should take heart. Apparently, Richard Foster and Mother Teresa can both relate. So you're in good company. Uh, what's more, even Jesus' 12 closest followers, the, his disciples, had to ask him to teach them how to pray. Even they had to learn. So how then can we learn to pray? How can we, as Archbishop Tate put it, develop a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer? Well, one of the first things we have to do, at least according to Richard Foster, is we have to learn to listen to God. Listening to God is the necessary prelude to intercession. We must hear, know, and obey the will of God before we pray it into the lives of others. Although he doesn't say it, I suspect that is why the first discipline 
he chose to address in this book is the one we discussed in the last session, meditation, that practice of learning to hear and obey the voice of God by meditating on his word. And that makes sense. If, if prayer involves us desiring and loving and willing the same things that God does, then the first thing we need to do is to pay attention to what God loves and wills and desires. And that includes the way that we feel about the people around us. On page 39, Foster makes what I think is a rather bold claim. He says that oftentimes we lack the courage to pray for other people as we should, and that that lack of courage, it's not a failure of faith. He says it's a failure of compassion. Jesus' own attention to the needs of the people around him, that his attention arose as the Gospels tell us repeatedly from the compassion he felt for them. He was moved deeply by compassion. To pray for people then is to share in that compassion. I think that's very true, but I have to admit that I'm not quite sure whether I agree with something else Foster says at this point. He says that feeling an inner sense of compassion for a person is a clear sign that, that this is a prayer project for you. And he seems to suggest that if you don't feel compassion, if the idea of praying for someone feels you, fills you instead with a kind of dread, then, then you should probably set it aside and let someone else pray. Now, I disagree. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's hard to believe that when he said that, he only intended you to pray for those whom you happen to already feel deep compassion for. And that sounds like a command to pray for others regardless of how you feel. And I, I actually think that something Richard Foster says later in this chapter reinforces this. Because on page 45, he says, we must never wait until we feel like praying before we pray for others. Prayer is like any other work. We may not feel like working, but once we have been at it for a bit, we begin to feel like working. I think that applies very well to the discussion of compassion. You and I, we may not feel the deep compassion Jesus feels for the people around us. To the contrary, we may feel frustrated or annoyed with them or just not really care. But as we pray for them, as we genuinely seek their good and our prayers, then our hearts will begin to change. We will start to feel more and more of what Jesus feels. If all of this sounds a bit theoretical, don't forget what Foster's goal is in this chapter. He's not, he's not trying to write some theological dissertation on prayer. He's trying to get you to pray. And in fact, you'll notice as you read that he has a number of very practical tips on how to pray. He talks about using your imagination as you pray, imagining the healing and restoring love of God flowing through you to others in prayer. He talks about methods for praying throughout the day, like, like trying to flash short prayers for everyone you see, that they would experience the joy of the Lord and a deeper awareness of his presence. He, he talks about his own experience at trying this sort of thing. Sometimes people reveal no response, but other times they turn and smile as if addressed. But one thing that he doesn't talk about, which makes sense because he's not a part of a liturgical tradition, but he doesn't talk about using written prayers. 
As an Anglican, though, I have to say that one of the things that has been most helpful in teaching me how to pray, helping me learn, has been my use of the Book of Common Prayer. Whether I'm praying a part of the daily office, like morning prayer or evening prayer or Compline, or whether I'm just saying one of the occasional prayers written near the back of the book, when I pray those written prayers, I know I'm not just praying by myself, and I'm not just asking God to meet my own personal needs. I'm joining millions of Christians throughout history and around the world. And I'm asking for things that I know are good and right and true. Uh, the book of James says that sometimes we ask and do not receive because we ask wrongly. Using the book of common prayer, that's been immensely helpful to me in learning how to ask rightly. Of course, the danger with written prayers is that you can say them without really meaning them. And to do that undermines the very purpose of prayer. Because, as Foster says right at the beginning of his chapter, because prayer is the principal means that God uses to change us, to shape our hearts, to transform our loves and our hopes and our desires so that they reflect his own. So it's essential that we learn to pray in a personal way and, and all throughout the day, spontaneously, as Foster talks about. And that when we engage in common prayer or use written prayers, it's essential that we learn to mean what we say. 